Hello and welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I am one of the hosts. My name is Chris Chapin. And I am one of the hosts, Mr. Caleb Shively. Hello, Mr. Shively. So nice of you to join us. But uh, yeah, you're listening to Actually Best Choice Movies, uh, the world's only movie podcast. Every uh, other week, we come to you with two films. One of them is old, one of them's new, but they're related in some way, like genders are related. Um, would you say, Caleb? Uh, and sometimes even more specific than that, uh, more as uh, more of a response to the times, as this week, our older movie is only a year old, if that sure, even. Yeah. Uh, I think it's from 2019, so it may even be two years yeah. old. And, you know, by the nature of how things are... Uh, you know, the Hollywood project goes, it was probably started planning in around 2016 or so too. Yeah. 2000. Well, I guess, yeah. 2016 for sure. Yeah, was, um, so this, yes. <laughs> this week we're talking about two movies about the kind of the me too movement or addressing kind of the spirit of the me too movement. It's I would uh, say definitely, bomb- yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Bombshell from 2019, I think. Right. Isn't it from 2019? In 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And then promising young woman, from mm, 2020, I guess <laughs> it's kind of was going to get released 2020? in 2020, then got yeah. pushed to like this. I guess it came out at the very end of December, right? It did, yeah. So let's say 2020. 2020, yeah. Uh, promising young woman. So that's all this week on actually best choice movies. Yes, movies. <laughs> But so before we get to any of that, uh, like I was saying in the introduction, uh, kind of awkwardly, the um, so both of these movies are about they're not like necessarily about the Me Too movement, quote unquote, but they're addressing topics and points of view and attitudes that have sort of all been lumped together in the last. At this point, it's been a long time. I mean, five sure. years, I guess, all this stuff has been going yeah, on. 2015, uh, 16. I mean, like when the first uh, was Trump was elected, a lot of this started happening and uh, this, you know, like, uh, I mean, Bombshell is a direct response to that a lot of too. And uh, I would say 100% Promising Young Women is yeah. uh, in that it is a movie about, uh, not necessarily feminism, but about uh, a, a woman uh, dealing with uh, fallout from sexual assault. And there has been yeah. a ton of that stuff uh, in general in Hollywood recently, which is fine. I think movies we covered uh, that we really liked, never really, sometimes always. The Assistant, I think, is the assistant, obviously, the yeah. movie of, of this. Uh, there's a movie called uh, MFA, uh, which I'll talk about a little bit when we talk about Promising Women. More so than movies, uh, TV shows, which have a shorter turnaround time and have the time limit to, you know, Deep, dig deep into it and there's been a lot of great tv shows about uh you know just hollywood's response in the me too movement uh unbelievable on netflix is amazing uh mm, big fan yeah. of uh i may destroy you uh from michaela cole which is uh aired mm-hmm. this past year on hbo uh i was a huge fan of uh, the last season of bojack which uh, bojack of course was a cartoon but i would say that his la- the last season was uh he was a person who abused and now he's reckoning the whole last season just him reckoning with the power uh i thought that was very smart and uh you know cartoon horse great uh was a lot of, i mean that morning show i didn't watch the morning show but that was i didn't watch uh, the morning show either, headlines, yeah. uh, as was bombshell uh, the morning show was the matt lauer situation i believe dra- dramatized i believe Oh, I, you know, I didn't even know that's what the morning show was about. I honestly yeah, had yeah. no idea. Is that what yeah. it's about? Crazy. Yeah, he plays and, a he plays a morning talk show who everyone loves, Matt Lauer, and then he sexually assaults somebody, and then that's the fallout from it. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. But very much about uh, the Me Too movement too, but also oh, I don't know anyone who's actually seen it too. <laughs> it is funny. Everything you mentioned. Mm-hmm. all of those tv shows you mentioned uh i haven't seen any of them <laughs> like, i would love to add something to this but i uh, those are just the, not the shows that i have not seen any of those shows oh they're all pretty um, good worth checking out i would say unbelievable on netflix is a kind of a landmark show uh caitlin yeah Deaver, i heard about like that. a lot from uh but you know what it was the thing you know why i didn't watch unbelievable as much as i do i love caitlin deaver and i was interested in in the story but it's based on this like this american life episode which i have heard I've like heard that, yeah. three or four times oh, damn. and so i just felt like i do not need to listen to this story again like i know this story so well at this sure. point and to listen and you know i've to listen to it stretched out into whatever like six hours or something like it's a it's a really good episode of this american life which is like 40 to 50 minutes long 
and it has a lot of room to breathe. It gives a lot of character development. So like, do I really need to watch it in a version that's like six or 10 hours long? Like I just, I get let, let something be a, a different thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's also like, you're not like, you like this American life, but you're not like super crazy fan. Like, Oh my gosh, look at this. Look at this episode about a woman recovering from uh, rape, sexual assault. Like you're not like cheering for it. You're not like, Oh, I want to see that. And I get that. Yeah, and I would right. say that's true of, uh, to get to transition into uh, our the movie discussion, like it is hard to watch uh, movies about things. I think we've covered uh, uh, so that I like doing that. I remember was uncomfortable for uh, probably a lot of people. Was uh, we did uh, the Nightingale and is that what it's called and uh, Revenge, which I like yeah. both those movies a lot. But Revenge, again, it was yeah. very hard to take. And those were like a couple years ago and probably more had artistic integrity to it and not yeah, necessarily the Nightingale. Yeah. Hey, don't but, get me fucking started on that movie again. Yeah. That was like another level. I, 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 I was really into that movie. But also like to transition more to, to this movie, like the, these two movies we're talking about are pretty light in general, yes. I would say. Uh, and that's kind of awesome that you could have these Me Too quote movies uh, and have them be broad and for an audience other than opposed to like uh, re- like revenge stuff or like very violent things that you know psychos like me or like <laughs> a film aficionados like oh i need to see the bleak and darkness of it all like sure there's a place for that there's also a place for you know having people see your movie <laughs> <laughs> i think these two movies uh, are are accomplishing uh as we as well as we'll discuss yeah, I would agree with you. They're both pretty light. I mean, especially Promising Young Woman. I will, and this I'll definitely talk about when we talk about it, but yeah. way more than I expected. I was very surprised by what this movie was actually like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you want to get into talking about them right now? Let's get it. Okay, fantastic. So the first movie we're going to talk about this week is 2020's Promising Young Woman. Every week, I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. You okay? You are so pretty. I am a nice guy. Are you? Promising Young Woman is the feature directorial debut of Emerald Fennell, who's a British woman. She's mostly been an actress until now. She's in things like Call the Midwife, and she's on the most recent season of The Crown playing Camilla Parker Bowles, which I just think is kind of funny. Uh, it stars, so the movie, this movie, Promising Young Woman, stars Carrie Mulligan as a woman whose life you know, falls apart in the aftermath of a sexual abuse, uh, which happens at medical school. And she's now, we meet her, she's taking revenge by going out to clubs and pretending to be really drunk and luring guys to go home with her and then, like, teaching them a lesson. Uh, So those men are actually played by an interesting collection of, like, weird comedy actors that I'm sure you are excited about as I was, Caleb. It's uh, Max Greenfield, Christopher Mintz-Ploss, of course, Sam Richardson. Sam Richardson has the first line in the movie from Detroiters and many other things, but he's, he's, you know, fine in the movie. Bo Burnham is also in it. Um, it's a stylish movie, uh, but I would say the tone of it is kind of all over the place. And I thought really the worst thing about it was that it pulled its punches when it really should not be pulling its punches. Uh, what, what did you think about this movie, Caleb? Yeah, I would agree with that. It's hyper stylized. Uh, it's very yeah. bright. Uh, there's a lot of cute coloring on a neon blues. Lots of, of pop music in it. Yeah, and like, uh, this, she's wearing like a lot of fuzzy sweaters and cute dresses and even like the writing is like kind of fun and snappy and like has yeah. a lot of detail to it like and the, the act- credits are like a like a grindhouse movie like yeah. it's like lipstick but it's also like blood and like a pop song is playing and mm-hmm. she's Carrie Mulligan's walking down the street you know like licking barbecue sauce I guess off of her but also it looks mm-hmm. like blood and like uh, I think it was a donut but uh but yeah like you said like the actors are very like recognizable faces and it's like yeah like a big broad Hollywood movie and the style overtakes the story itself, which you said when you, when you say like it didn't, it pulled its punches. Uh, and again, the writing is very good with detail and very funny at points, but it leaves the rest of like, this is like a sexual assault revenge movie. So it like, comes off a little bit clunky uh, and yeah. it's fun enough movie, but more than anything, it's a very angry movie too. Uh, yeah. It's, 
like the lead performance by Carrie Mulligan is great, and I th- I think she should get a lot of platitudes for this, especially carrying like again, it's a high stylized movie, but it's centered by like her character is just angry the whole time, and like she's like so like, over the top, but she's also like really I would say believable in a it's, lot of ways. It's it's yeah. it's kind of refreshing because you know it's the stylized to cover that anger. It's very justified anger, and like do you see that anger like seep through and like her decisions to be consciously angry which kind of fits uh this like i said clunky storyline like it's very justified anger I, I was i was into it like it's clunky in the sense that uh it's her getting revenge it's kind of like a, a batman story where like she uh something wrong uh, gets happens to this young younger person and then she's taking it out on the world and kind of focuses right. Well, like, it's like, you said it's like Batman. I mean, it's like Batman, where it's really like like a supervillain or something, right? I mean, this is like a supervillain. I mean, Batman's kind of a supervillain too in, in in those Nolan movies. Well, I guess because he's going after criminals and she's going after like sexual yeah. abusers. So yeah, it is like Batman. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a portrait uh, I mean, of a vigilante and the trauma that made her take up her cause. Like, I don't know. Like, there's even like things in the movie, like she changes costumes at night. Like, she, like I said, she's like wearing flowery sweaters, but like when she goes out to like hunt these men at night. Like she'll like smear her makeup or wear like a ponytail, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, And there's also, we haven't even mentioned there's a lot. I mean, I don't really know where to start with this movie because I do have a lot of thoughts about it. I mean, I I think that's how the whole whole movie is like. Well, she's great in the movie. I mean, I find Carrie Mulligan like extremely, I think she's a great actress and I think she's really, really attractive. Um, I, I thought she was really good in this movie. She gives like an amazing performance. Uh, Like her character's name is Cassandra and like the, like I said, she's very angry, and it's just not that anger. It's just she's not able to let it go. She can't get over uh, the trauma that of the trauma is uh, her friend was sexually assaulted and ended up uh, dying from it. Uh, I think. In, I guess they committed suicide. Yeah, I guess they, they never explicitly say it. I mean, they did. I missed it, but yeah, she killed herself later. Uh, so, and then the world that she's living is that she just keeps seeing male privilege all the time. She keeps seeing that women's futures are not as much as is not as much worth as a man's future uh in, in a certain sense and that it's funny that it was a uh, connie britain because she comes up in the next movie we'll see <laughs> talk about too uh and then like i don't know well there's scenes where she like kind of puts it behind her and she's you see her improving and becoming less angry and those are the worst scenes in the movie uh like and they montage them too a lot like uh when she's dating more of the guy uh colorful cast this movie. i thought the casting was great in general uh, but there's a ringer scene uh, from Molly Shannon. They hire Molly Shannon. Yeah. If you want someone to be in a movie that's kind of funny and not kind of funny, bring in someone like a great. But like she's like very Molly like Shannon. has a lot of heart, you know. Like she's in a, she's in the scene to be like just very yeah. sweet and empathetic and listening, but also like giving really good. Molly advice. Shannon plays the mother of the woman who uh, her friend who passed away, and she's the one who'd be like you have to get over it. It's, it's very sweet, very empathetic, uh, but you know as we watch the rest of the movie, she doesn't get over it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's one of those performances that just ca- carries and forms every scene she's in. Uh, and, you know, an actor of her caliber in something this broad is always kind of special. I think in the, in the other movie too, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit too, but you know, it paves that I said there's, it's clunky. Uh, like there's just weird writing that, you know, it just smooths over through fine performance because it creates like, that substance within that style definitely uh, lined a toe between broad and specific, like a tightrope to walk. Well, yeah. So this is the thing we keep saying, right. And not to cut you off or like, or, but like the, um, the tone, I mean, so I said, I have a problem with the tone of the movie. I think the movie in a lot of ways, we're saying it has this big kind of pop music, like energy. It, it almost seems like it's trying to be like a Heather's kind of movie. Like it's like, it's like like part of it seems like it's a movie for teens, you know, and, or at least people in their like early twenties. Cause it's right. You know, big rap songs playing really loud. Like you're looking at like a hot girl and then like, you know, there's like neon colors everywhere. And like, that's one level of the film, but then like everyone in it is old. <laughs> like it's like Alison Brie and Carrie Mulligan and Bo Burnham is probably the youngest person in the movie. I guess Alison Brie is really young, but like, uh, she's older than we think, I think. Yeah, she's only yeah, but Carrie Mulligan is like you know thirty five, and I and I like I said before, I find Carrie Mulligan very attractive, but I I a hundred percent she looks like an adult, and I like that about her. She looks like an adult, but something about this is like 
they're trying to make her seem like she's 25, you know, but which I know canonically she has her 30th birthday in the movie. But like, if it wasn't for that, you would maybe think the character is like 25 or something. Maybe, yeah. I guess it was pre-med, so which means college age and everything happened not actual med school or was it med school no it was in actual med school so oh, yeah, that's they, like that's, you're like 26 or something like, yeah, 20, yeah. 24 25 yeah uh i yeah. get what you're saying and I, it, it is like but kind then parts of, of it are not like that parts yeah. of it are not like that, that's, right? where it's, that's where it's clunky I like oh wait and again it's like super funny at points and then just gets super serious too uh and you know there are other movies like that or just you know i'll say the word clunky again clunky movies that just trip over their uh, ultimate message, but mm-hmm. it is an important message that they're saying. This is a justified it's about uh, sexual, and it's not just about sexual mainstream film. Yeah, it's yeah. like about and like it, the way we think about it and the way you can kind of like act like it was someone's fault. Who the per- like act like it's the victim's fault, yeah. so everyone else can go on with their lives, and not even just the perpetrators, but just like their friends and the people in charge of the school, and it's just like it's just yeah, easier yeah. to pretend so, it didn't yeah. happen. They right? could have easily made this movie. Uh, about her going out at night and just like getting revenge on guys. That's an interesting movie. And uh, I mentioned the movie MFA and that movie is kind of like that. It's, uh, uh, I forget the director's name, but it was uh, Francesca Acewood starred in it. And it was about her like just doing vigilante stuff against sexual assault people. And that was more of that movie. But this movie kind of starts off like that, but then it like, spoiler alert a little bit, it doesn't, does it go down that route? Well, uh, this is my problem with this is my problem with oh, the whole oh, oh, movie. Oh, 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 um, uh, for a sec, uh, but it like kind of does that in a way that's like vigilante, where she doesn't actually hurt these guys, and then it turns into an actual story about the scab that this wound is crusted over, and then it's about picking at that scab. And, and then like it's also said, like, like a romance. It's also like a people. romance in there too, which is like weird. It I is, think. and that part sucks. <laughs> like I said, like there's this whole thing where movie. Bo Burnham is like her boyfriend, and they're like playing like swelling music when they're kissing, and they see like a cute montage of them on dates. And I'm like, why? And this is like what feels like a teen movie to me, all that stuff. I'm like, why is this in this movie? What is this doing here? Uh, I think it what there is like part of to show her that she is trying to push it behind her, and there it, it does come up later on with Burbonum that uh, he is also accountable. Uh, but there's like a whole slew of like people accountable, accountable. Like, and I think that's yeah, yeah. smart to show, uh, you know, the process of how sexual assault works in the world. Uh, like, there's she has a list of, and they go by it, which is you know, kind of cheesy, but whatever. Uh, they go one, two, three, four, and. Uh, it's kind of cool though. Like she go- goes against, like it also shows like she's also how of a psychotic person she is to do this. Uh, like we mentioned Alison Brie, she's the so-called friend and she almost, she, she gaslights, I guess that's, a, I'm using gaslight correctly. I gaslights Alison Brie into thinking she was raped perhaps. And then, uh, yeah, or just cheated on her husband at the very least. Yeah. And then the, she goes to the head of school, which is Connie Britton, which we'll talk about later, her, later on too. Who just is oblivious to like, oh, oh did you report this uh, sexual assault to somebody? Yes, we reported it to you. You didn't do anything. Yeah, right. And then you had uh, the lawyer who was who got the uh, guy off, the Brock Turner off, um, and it's Alfred Molino. He's just super remorseful. It's a very nice cameo from Alfred Molino. You need a good actor to to. He's land. A good. He's really good in this thing. Yeah. Uh, and they brought an Alfred Molino. He just is super like self flagigating. Uh, like, forgive me. I, I deserve everything I get. But also, like, you're – sure, I'm glad you're like this, but, like, you're responsible. <laughs> like, this sucks. Well, <laughs> like, also, like, I had a problem. I saw, I saw – before I saw the movie, I saw somebody tweeting about how, like, this movie is, like, anti-defense attorney. And during this scene, I was kind of like, okay, I mean – defense attorney should exist. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the, the movie makes the argument that like, Oh, he was this bully defense attorney and he like badgered her and got her to re- recant her story. Right. And not press charges. But it's like, the other stuff is just kind of like, how could you represent this person? I mean, you know, you have to, the criminals have to have representation. You know, I didn't a hundred percent. I wasn't on board with that part of the movie as much. <laughs> uh, I mean, he got a rapist off of, that's the adversarial justice system of the United States. I mean, if you're accused of murder, you get to have a lawyer because otherwise just you would get sent to jail. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Uh, most people are maybe innocent, but this isn't the case where we knew someone was lying about. Right. Raping. He is guilty. Right. We know he's guilty. Right. So that's not good. <laughs> right. But, um, but yeah, you're a lawyer, you should be like, Oh, cool. Um, 
let's seek truth here. Let's yeah, but you know, look at honestly, the job of a lawyer, it, uh, the the job of a defense attorney is not to seek truth. The job of a defense attorney is to like keep, to keep you out of jail. Yeah, you know, like right. I mean, we're going into murky territory for a defending lawyer. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my dad's a lawyer. I mean, you know, I think of the law as a noble profession, and I know lots of friends that are lawyers. It's a good, it's a good thing to do. Oh, sure, sure, it's a good thing to do. That's like 1990s to... Republicans shit to like talk about trial lawyers being the worst uh, people in the world. You know, my neighbor's son growing up was uh, Timothy McVeigh's assigned lawyer. Is that true? Yeah. Really? That's crazy. He never talked about it. <laughs> but so, like, okay, this movie, right? I, I, I knew. Well, so first of all, the, uh, the acting is all great. You were talking about the performances. Like, I would say, by and large, you know, the acting is great. The casting is great. There are some scenes I think that work really well. There's a couple of the scenes where uh, Carrie Mulligan is doing this thing where she's hunting the men, and the parts when. She, and so first she's acting like really, really drunk. And it's basically just the scenes are about the guy acting like a particular type of toxic man. You know, the guy who like thinks he's a good guy, but like at the same time is like taking advantage of, of the girl and trying to like, you know, rape her, like have sex with her while she's so drunk. She is asleep basically. And um, those scenes were so cringy, you know, for me, like, cause they're all like, you know, you can't help but think like, oh my God, have I done things like this in my life? You know, before you get to the raping part where they're just being like, so oblivious and self-centered and like trying to like make out with a girl. And it just made me feel like awful about getting drunk. Yeah. Right. It's uh, just negging them on. Uh, I thought that the, the uh, casting of that is what sold it. Cause like, the generally nice guys like Sam Richardson, known for playing nice guys. Detroit yeah. is, is fucking uh, Richard Split, nice fucking guys. Uh, hilarious casting with fucking Mince Plass. I, I, I thought, and he's I'm the one doing cocaine the whole time. Also, I'm talking about David Foster Wallace. Hilarious. About, yeah, his first line is talking about David Foster Wallace. Uh, like, talk yeah. poetic about Mince Plass for a second, which he's always fucking hilarious and shit. And that might be part of casting, in that he kind of has a limit. Uh, and right. he always like you, tries to push through instead of like being a good. He looks actor, a certain way, you know. So like, through it. so it, it's very funny to see him struggle acting. Mitch Class is McLovin, uh, by the way, if, yeah, for yeah, for the people who don't know. Great he's in everything. Had a long and varied career since then. He has. He's a great voiceover actor. Uh, uh, Kickass. He was great in Role Models. He was really good in. In this movie, mm-hmm. I thought he was just like, oh well, he's a kiss, little kiss on the nose. He has a little thing he does. <laughs> Uh, and he fucking sucks, and it's hilarious, and it yeah, should be hilarious, so hard. and it should have be a guy who sucks. And uh, it's even great. Some, he does a great job. And, even, and uh, I mean, go ahead. Oh no, he's good. And like I said, it just was so cringy to me. He's the kind of guy who's like, "Oh, I'm working on a novel." I mean, you know, I'm just like, I keep thinking about it and thinking about it. <laughs> I was like, I'm never speaking to another person again. <laughs> like yeah. it's so men are so awful, and this is disgusting. Like I feel so terrible. I was having a hard time looking at the TV screen around this part of the movie. I was like, "Oh, we're only 15 minutes in. There's going to be another like hour and a half of scenes like this. Like I don't know if I can handle this. It's so uh, well done, but hard to watch." You know? Although, yeah, those are like more of the funniest scenes. And again, I could have built a whole movie around there, but they didn't. Which yeah. I, I, I appreciate they didn't. Uh, I did like. Uh, a, Sam Richardson is a uh, you know a nice guy, and then he comes back later on in the movie as a person she does this to, and he has this really funny. It's very like, again this movie's sneakily very funny. Like he's taking this drug dealer home, uh, and he goes, "Oh, surge pricing is on one point two. Okay, hey, you okay with walking?" He says this to a drug dealer. And she goes, "No," and he goes, "Yeah, come on, it's it's a game. <laughs> It'll be fine." <laughs> well, those things like that's very fucking funny. It yeah, shouldn't be funny, but this is hilarious. It's really funny. And yeah. I think, uh, uh, I don't like him, uh, but I'm growing to like him. Uh, Bo Burnham, uh, I thought he was excellent casting. It's, uh, again, good not, yeah. not a good actor, sorry, uh, but it's great casting. He's, he's uh, just like being charming, you know, he's just like being charming. He's charming. He is funny enough, which, uh, I don't know, uh, he was big when I was in college. People liked him uh, his, from his stand-up. Uh, like he sang a lot and you know, if you know who Bo Burnham is from stand-up, like you have an opinion. He's like hard not to have an opinion about. It's fine. I'm not allowed. I'm allowed to not like certain stand-ups. Uh, but he also projected this like bland, sterile, every dude that's yeah. easy to project onto, which is what this role needed. 
he sticks out. He has a, for a certain chunk of the movie, he's a huge, huge character. And I would say he sticks out in a certain way because like, he's not a real actor. (laughs) And I mean that with like, and a lot of love to him as a performer and a writer and a director, you know, but like you can tell in scenes that he's in that he doesn't quite know like what to, how to move his body on camera. And he's like, he's saying things in a kind of a weird way. You don't really hear people on film say talk very often. Where it just, yeah, it's almost like I was like embarrassed on his behalf, but also he's doing a good job. Do you know what I mean? Also, he was good. Also, he was good, but it's just kind of, he's kind of awkward in a weird way. He makes you think about his performance and a lot of the movie has to be like, oh, I guess I like this guy because she likes him and she's carrying him. And it is, yeah. again, uh, Carrie Mulligan informing every portion of this movie. Uh, and then it turns on him and it's great. Uh, and you, it just, when that happens, it pays off. So uh, people watching this movie, Stick with it; it pays off. You're feeling. I mean, also, I did, I could also have felt like he looks like a, a literal child next to Carrie Mulligan. Like she looks like such a sophisticated, intelligent adult that's like so deep and has so much going on, and he's just like seems like an idiot sixteen year old, basically. Like, I don't know. Did you think that? I thought they looked like they had a huge difference in age. I mean, they do have an age difference, but it's not that big. But like, uh, there was a line where he was saying, was "Like, hey, does it look like I'm your dad?" Yeah. Uh, because he's so much taller than you which is kind of yeah, funny but no it was like the opposite of that like she looked like she was his mom i thought but yeah there's a lot of like it's super highly like i said the cinematography is kind of cool and uh she makes a lot of bold choices as a director and as a as a feature film like uh, you, you didn't mention that uh, emerald fennel is probably most known for season two of killing eve which it's decisive amongst killing eve fans as probably as but i'd like to kill it season two of uh, killing eve she was the showrunner uh, of that, and oh, uh, cool. speaking yeah. of a show about revenge, who's a, a a highly stylized woman, I would I say there's very much echoes of Killing Eve in Promising Young Woman, uh, just you know not as much of a character study, uh, yeah, which is not bad because it's a movie you have to end it. So okay, so now at this point, I would like to say a couple things about this movie, and uh, you know, spoiler alert, like I'm not going to spoil it entirely at all, but like, uh, you know. I, we've been saying this is the f- feature debut of, of Emerald Fennel. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I forget, didn't know uh, that she had done season two of killing Eve, which is interesting because like in a certain way, I, I felt like this, this movie had all the kind of hallmarks of being like messed with by, you know, on the path to getting it on the screen, like by whatever producers or somebody. Cause a lot of things seemed like 60% one way and then 40% a different way. Do you know what I mean? Where it like, okay, from the trailers and from the credits, which are literally like dripping blood and from the, like she, we see her go back and she's got this notebook with all these guys' names in it. And she, like, I had been assuming this whole time that Carrie Mulgan is killing these men, right? That she's killing the men. She's taking them home, pretending to be drunk. And then she snaps out of it and kills them. And like, that's definitely the vibe that the movie gives off. You know, it's like a grindhouse movie from the credits, they, it, which imp- implies she is killing these guys. But no, she's not killing them. She just gives them a stern talking to, which is like, I was like, is this fucking for real? And then at a certain yeah. point, she does this thing where she kidnaps this girl and like takes her phone and is talking to the girl's mom and is telling her she's brought her, you know, to this to go get raped, basically. And then at another point, and then she's like... Oh, I'm just kidding. She's at the diner. She's totally fine. And then there's another point with Alison Brie, right? Where it's like, we think that what she's in is she's gotten Alison Brie so drunk and then she's paid a prostitute to go have sex with her, you know? But then we find out later on, it's just like, oh no, I just paid him to sit there and watch you and make sure you were okay. And I was like, what the fuck is going on with this movie? Like that, I found that really pissed me off. I really couldn't believe that they- I mean, they do that, like they announced that stuff pretty early on. It didn't Piss me off, but I did expect that too, just because you know marketing. Like you can't fault marketing, yourself yeah. for I mean, marketing. Definitely. So I, it, I to, and and to me, and it felt like maybe in the original draft she is killing them, but they've like I, you know softened it up a little bit. I don't think that's true because it's just because it was so part of the plot. It's more like I said, it's a, a vigilante story. So it was like if she killed him, it would have been like a whole fucking movie. And again, there is a movie like that called MFA, which is I kind of like better. Well, it's not like none of the men characters come back again. So it's not like they, it's important. Like if she had killed. It's also like how women were treated in movies for the last 50 years. Like women never come back in certain No, But I'm just saying it's not like important to the plot. Like if she had killed each of those guys she had taken home, then it it would be the same movie. uh, Cassandra. Uh, We don't want her to be. Oh, and this is the other thing I think. Speaking of Cassandra, her character, right? 
again, from the marketing and just from the vibe of a movie like this, knowing what you know about films, like I thought that she would have been the victim of the sexual assault, but it's like, no, it's like her friend was the victim of the sexual assault. And I feel like that's not even clear for the first like 45 minutes of the movie. It only becomes clear later on. And I don't know if that was supposed to be like a reveal or if it was like, again, a change in a later draft of the script or whatever. But that also felt really off to me and very weird. And I didn't know why they had structured it that way. I don't think it's, I mean, I get it. I mean, if your close friend since, like your close friend since childhood, something happened to her like that, of, like I, I get I get that. Like she would I mean, need that as the person she has to take. I mean, they, they kind of landed at the end with the, little text message between the the, sign both of their names yeah i mean that is good too but then it's like but you were talking about batman like how she's like batman well exactly she's like batman bruce wayne isn't out in the streets every night because his friend's parents got killed it's his parents got killed do you know what i mean mean, like but it's her best friend (laughs) like she's like she bruce wayne's parents are her friend and she's bruce wayne it just seemed weird. It seemed weird. This was the second thing about it that seemed weird. And then also, I thought the whole thing with it being in, set in med school was weird. Again, I kept imagining an earlier draft of this where this was after high school or after college. Like, that seemed to be more what the vibe of the movie was. And then I won't say what happens at the end of the movie, but I think the way that they wrap up the um, the arc of all the characters, I think it makes more sense if all along the woman has been killing the guys because it it fits a little bit better poetically with that version of the movie than with this version of the movie where she really honestly hasn't really done anything wrong the entire movie. She's just been like, had a bunch of uncomfortable conversations, but like she hasn't done shit to anybody. Yeah. She's going through her own shit. I mean, it's luckily this dark person with huge trauma in her life doesn't go so far off the deep and just off the deep enough. Cause she does do, I mean, what she does is like fucked up stuff, it's, but it's again, it's kind of not even, it's not even that fucked up. Like yeah, she just kidnapping a kid drunk guys, and then she sits up and was like, what did you think I was drunk? And then is like, better be careful out there. And then leaves, you yeah, know, like, she's doing that, that, like nothing. I said, that's literally nothing. I mean, it's not nothing. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, it's uh, lying and acting uh, to someone. And it's also like a lot of mental gymnastics you have to put yourself through. So good on Cassandra for putting herself uh, through those mental gymnastics to go through that. Uh, it's also lying to her parents uh, a lot and making them we worry about her. And I'm glad they we haven't talked about that. this. She lives with her parents. Like I had um, problem with that. I thought they were, I just like seeing those actors though. <laughs> that was interesting. Um, oh yeah. And who, who were they played by Caleb? Uh, the mom was uh, Jennifer Coolidge and she has a hilarious line in it that I wrote down that I would be remiss if I didn't say uh, she brings home Bo Burnham to her parents and he's a, a uh, pediatrician and Jennifer Coolidge from uh, Christopher Guest movies, American Pie. She says to the pediatrician, she says, are children's bones different? That's hilarious. <laughs> I die. That's a good, what she that's said a good line. Uh, and the dad was played by uh, Stanley. I always forget his name. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, the dad's name was Stanley, I think. Uh, his name is Clancy Brown. Uh, he was like in Shawshank. Uh, he yeah, he's been in a lot Kirk of stuff. Highlander. Uh, yeah, yeah. Troopers. He's a pop-up guy. He's great. Starship Troopers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I felt the, the energy, I think I thought this section of the movie was also tonally off from the rest of the movie because there's occasional scenes where she's having breakfast with her parents. And it's just so weird because we are seeing her out in the world being so capable and and being such a like deadly, we're not deadly, but you know, formidable force. And then she's in, has these scenes with her parents where she's like very mousy because in reality, it's like her whole life. She doesn't have a job, you know, or she works at a coffee shop. Her life has kind of fallen apart. But I thought the way they're shot and the way the lines are, they kind of had this like late nineties, early two thousands indie movie energy. Like it was like, you know, it was like about a teen being home with their parents. Like it was like happiness or it was like, uh, but I'm a cheerleader or something, which sure, nothing sure. else in the movie is like that. <laughs> like nothing, just those couple scenes are like that. It's also, uh, I think, like I said, those uh, extended trauma, like her friend died and she's never recovered from it. And that passes on to the parents too a little bit. I think there was even like a little uh, visual story of they're always at that table and then when she progresses a little bit to go outside, they're at watching Night of the Hunter on TV. Uh, and then yeah, they I like that. more and they're having dinner. But then like they go back towards the end and they're at the bed again at the uh, breakfast table again. Yeah, no, it's a little tiny visual things. I thought that was kind of not good directing, but an easy thing I picked up in directing. <laughs> but you know, first movie. 
Maybe she's a, first she's, movie. Yeah, I mean, to it's me, a it's first like, movie, I feel like you know, not to armchair a quarterback. If it's the first movie, it's great, and like, yeah, the casting is great. Yeah, we've been talking about, uh, and the acting. I think I think acting the acting is well directed. Um, but it's like a, a version of this movie where it's people who are like twenty five. If this is about something that happened after college, they um the main character is the victim of the sexual assault, and then she's also murdering these people. And then she gets kind of involved and, and the rest of the plot can go the how it goes. To me, that version of the movie is so much more like what I was expecting and, uh, and you know, I would say enjoyable and like, you know, maybe made would hang together better in an emotional way. I always say, man, don't bring your expectations to a movie. Uh, this really is know. a thing that happens. So uh, like people are affected by the trauma of sexual assault. Well, yeah. uh, I mean, they I'm, can't yeah. get over it. I think... Uh, there are movies like that that existed uh, and will probably exist in the future. Uh, but, you know, this is a different story. And I thought it was a pretty good story. I thought it was a little bit overstylized in its way. But, you know, I liked a lot of the acting in it. So I can't super fault myself. It's a, it's a pretty f- interesting movie. Did super well coming out of Sundance. There's a little bit of bidding war for it, which I'll, I'm watching it now. I was kind of surprised because it doesn't feel like an independent feature. No, but, really doesn't. You know, it's more kudos to the actual filmmaking than anything. Uh, but yeah. Uh, it's to, like the bling ring. It wants to be the bling ring. It wants to be that other movie about all the teens that were killing each other from like a year or two ago. Um, it wants to be like um, Freaky, that movie that just came out. I feel like that's the level it's pitched at. I think that's it's pitched at, but like, that's not what it is. Like, that's marketing. Like, but it's. Well, no, I don't even mean the marketing. I mean, like, I mean, the, the level of the, like, emotions of the movie are pitched at that level often. Not always, but often, you know? It is, and it isn't. And it, I think the isn't stuff, which is more interesting, comes from the Carrie Mulligan, perf- excuse me, the Carrie Mulligan performance. Right, that's really good, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I talked about a lot about the actors again, and, and I'm only bringing her up so we could transition uh, Connie Britton is a good actress. <laughs> uh, she's really good in this movie, yeah. She's, but it's also like she's used so little, and but the thing she's used for in uh, *Promising Woman* is is kind of despicable. Uh, and I would even say to transition into *Bombshell*, the next movie we're going to talk about, Connie Britton is uh, Roger Ailes's wife in this, and again used sparingly, but in a despicable manner. I don't know. It's weird that she's quartering a market on that, but it also goes to show like powerful women. Uh, help men get away with things too. That's true. I mean, and that is, yeah, that's like Alison Brie. Yeah, <laughs> I, w- I was when, when I saw Alison Brie pop up in this movie, I was like, oh no, our show is turning into B plus Alison Brie movies. <laughs> like, that's. Uh, we haven't done eighth grade, so we can't be a Bill Burnham, it's Bill Burnham completist podcast. That's true. Well, maybe someday we'll get to maybe it. Maybe someday when they do ninth grade. Uh, do you want to talk about the next movie? Bombshell. Bombshell. You know why Roger's got that door blocking his office. Someone has to speak up. Someone has to get mad. Fox News star Gretchen Carlson dropped a major bombshell today. What is she doing? This could kill Fox News. A pedigreed film starring three of our modern times most cherished actors and filled out with some of our most gifted comedic performers, director-producer Jay Roach and writer-producer Charles Randolph knew exactly what movie they were trying to make. A look at the inner working of Fox News. And of course, within that look, how a network associated with fear-mongering and a big following amongst racists treats female employees. This is the true, actually happened story of anchors Megyn Kelly and Gretchen Carlson and their subsequent lawsuit against Roger Ailes at Fox News. And this is the story of other women at the network and their misogynistic workplace they had to endure. But the nuance of the story doesn't go so far as to depict Kelly and Carlson as anything but females at Fox News and not as the actual hate speech rhetoric Fox News anchors for which they actually are. Uh, Charlize Theron and Nicole Kidman, two titans, bring their best in their performances of Megyn Kelly and Gretchen Carlson. But ultimately, a fictional character played by Margot Robbie does the emotional heavy lifting of the victimhood the movie tries to portray. Uh, Not to get too much more ahead of myself, Bombshell is a finely crafted enough film that ultimately says, Fox News sure is bad. Chris, let's unpack this more. 
Yeah, Caleb, I love that you said it, they knew exactly the movie they were trying to make. Yeah, The Big Short. That's the movie they were trying to make. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's such a fucking ripoff of The Big Short, I thought. I mean, especially, I know you have things to say about this. It's directed by Jay Roach, you know, and obviously The Big Short, directed by Adam McKay. It was like his big move from comedy into like serious I mentioned, films. I mentioned Charles Randolph. Uh, this is Big Short Light. Uh, Charles Randolph is... Uh, won an Oscar for with Adam McKay for writing Big Short, so it's, it's the same writer. <laughs> yeah, it's very much it's very much like the Big Short, but uh, personally, I think uh, the Big Short didn't age very well, and I don't think it was like fantastic to begin with. And like, I think this movie is like you're saying the Big Short light. So like, yeah, it doesn't even rise to the level of of the Big Short. I would say same editor, same uh, cinematographer, which I love the cinematographer, but the editor is uh, John Pohl, who uh, is a very good comedy director. So this movie is a comedy, right? That's the thing that I couldn't wrap my head. It's supposed to be funny, like with all the people in it, but except for like the actual meat of the movie, but it's surrounded by a lot of fun things. Uh, but that, so the editor, which, you know, is how a movie comes down, how you think it's very edited, much like a comedy. I call it a quick pacing, much like Big Short, which is Kind of a comedy too, in a weird way. But uh, John Paul did uh, Scary Movie Three, which is a Zucker Brothers film. Uh, he did a lot of other Jay Roach's other movies, uh, which are Austin Powers. He did Dunstan Checks In, Krippendorf's Tribe, Meet the Fockers. He did Motherfucking Cabin Boy, which that's cool. But see, so, this is interesting because I I, I think yeah, not to cut you off. Were you about to make a point? Was I cutting you off? No, it's just weird that this movie. Is edited this way it was well it is weird and i think i mean i think it's exactly what we're saying it's they're trying to make the big short like it's like a lot of the same people and it's a, a director who has the same kind of ambition so it's not i would say it's not supposed to be funny exactly as much as it's supposed to be like you know watchable and like fun in a certain way you know but not but obviously about yeah, a serious yeah. topic so, you know mm -hmm. and jay roach does have that under his belt he is a political director in again making serious things palpable. Uh, he did Recount, which was about the Bush oh, yeah. war election. Uh, did that Sarah Palin movie, which is actually kind of good. It's kind, uh, I would say Julie it's kind of Sarah good. Palin. Yeah, it's kind of good. Yeah, it's kind of good. Not, It's not good, not bad. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. It is, uh, is there, it, I don't know. The Sarah Palin movie is a good example. And all, all the things you're talking about, all the things these people worked on. Because in a certain sense, like, it's the kind of movie that you watch in this kind of weird mental state where you're not like, it's not a film, if you know what I mean, but it's like a story that is engaging that you are watching. Mm -hmm. But but to me, the a movie like this is not cinema. Do you know what I mean? And especially it doesn't really uh -huh. feel rewatchable at all. I wouldn't really ever want to watch it again, but it was interesting mm -hmm. to watch the first time. So like, where, where did these kinds of things sit? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's very weird it's horrible things told quickly and in kind of a funny way and also the fact that this movie is about sexual assault and directed and written by men it enters into that surface level viewing which we're kind of talking about yeah. and like how much can these men really know about a woman's perspective and the fact that it has like a studio comedy vibe to it and it's directed by the guy who did austin power uh, that's kind of like has an odd self-serving vibe yeah, overall. It's odd. Like he's like, I'm choosing to talk about an important issue. That's good and all, yes. Uh, but like this movie feels like it was made for right-wing conservatives who didn't believe women in the first place. Well, because the thing you're saying, and this is what it got knocked for a lot at the time. I mean, this movie had a lot of, uh, it, unfortunately, just the timing was completely off because it dramatizes these events that took place in 2016 to 17, right? Mm -hmm. And then obviously the Me Too movement happened. I mean, this happened before Harvey Weinstein. So like then it's the story only became more powerful and prescient in a lot of ways. And, you know, Megyn Kelly went through this moment who is the main, one of the main characters of the, of the movie. Yeah. Megyn Meg yeah. Kelly had this moment where she was like going to be a mainstream person and got her own huge contract to NBC, got her own TV show. And everybody was like, Team Megan, like Megyn Kelly, amazing woman. Like we love her so much. But then like her show came out and it was like, completely conservative and awful and she immediately got like she got canceled some like they made the second episode the second episode was even worse than the first episode they fired her they paid out her whole contract to make her go away everybody hates megan kelly by the time this movie comes out so it and and unfortunately the movie doesn't deal with the fact that they are odious people with terrible points of view who are knowingly spreading hate and lies all the time, you know? And I had a discussion with my wife, Catherine, after this, because like, 
she watched the movie. She liked the movie a lot. And she was also, I was saying this to her, like, I couldn't, these people are awful. They're Fox news people. They're so awful. And she's like, well, that doesn't mean that this should happen to them. And I'm like, no, well, of course not. And like on the level of depicting these people at work and like depicting, you know, the, the taking down this, you know, sexually abusing media mogul, like that's all good. But it's like, I feel like you can't ignore the role these people had in, you know, ruining America, right? Like doing some really, really awful things, but it just completely, completely sidesteps that. To allow that workplace to even exist in the first place takes a lot of looking the other way for it to get as bad as they're depicting it is. And it is fucking yeah. horrible. And, you know, like I said, it is maybe not a movie meant for us. It's maybe for like our parents or people more conservative it is a big Oscar swing. It has a bunch of Oscar nominations. Oscar it has a bunch of Oscar nominations. Yes, it only has, it has one Oscar win. And one win. It, yeah, for makeup. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and, uh, shout out that Oscar win right now. Fucking Kazu Hero, man. Uh, what a great. Uh, I thought he, the you know maybe on Nicole Kidman it looked kind of weird because it just felt I don't know. Gretchen Carlson as played by Nicole Kidman is very uh, brittle steely-eyed Nicole Kidman character uh, and the makeup made it kind of scary too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but the other makeup in this movie is so fucking good. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, I thought the Lithgow makeup was amazing. Uh, Theron's makeup was good. And Kazuhiro is so fucking good. Like he won for the Churchill makeup before. Well, that run. was funny. I mean, because he's wearing, John Lithgow's wearing like the same makeup from Churchill, right? I mean, like he all looks yeah. similar. He looks very similar. Uh, if there's this dumb movie that I watch because it was Oscar nominated for makeup just to see how, why it was so good. I, I was, came off impressed. That movie is called Norbit. It stars Eddie Murphy as <laughs> eight God. characters. The makeup in it is really impressive. It, it is all, deserves its Oscar nomination. Uh, but Did he, he like do the makeup for that? Did he do the makeup for that? Yes. Yes. Oh so he was God. an artist in Japan and then like his person he trained got a job and brought him back to the U S and he did like men in black. And he specifically did, the Grinch makeup for Jim Carrey. Hmm. Uh, so he's doing like these like the smaller movies and then like, oh wait, he's talented. Let's give him things. So he started doing like Benjamin Button. He did uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's makeup in uh, Looper, the Bruce Willis makeup, oh, yeah. which is so good. Uh, now he's doing Oscar. He retired for a minute and then he just came back and won two Oscars in a row. So it's cool that they got the best makeup person in the world to do one of the best makeup people. Yeah, to do I'm, it is. And they are, you know, occasionally you notice things like people are like, that's not her real chin, you know, like things like that, but it looks real. You know, it, it is very, it can mess with you a little bit, but it's very, very, very well done. Like right down to their um, hands and, you know, stuff like that. Honestly, uh, I like this movie. Uh, I, I, I was surprised at how much I liked it. It, it. it like, I do have a ton of problems with it, but it came down to me is, uh, I like watching acting. I'm a, I, sometimes, uh, I, I think I've talked about, I, movies can be saved by through performance and you get three pretty solid performances right up top. I don't think there are anyone's signature between Theron Kidman and Robbie. Margot Robbie, also producer on A Promising Young Woman. Oh, is that Theron true? This oh, movie. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, didn't you feel that Birds of Prey energy? I, I actually <laughs> did feel the Birds of Prey energy. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, so it's three. They're the, like, they're all going, have been going through strong moments the last five years. It's still going to go through strong moments for the next 10 to 20 years too. It's cool. We get these three amazing actresses in this movie, especially as something as topical and uh, something that could have gone horribly, probably would have gone horribly if it wasn't for these three great actresses. Uh, and I would even give it up for, uh, I don't know if she's the fourth lead in it. If well, I guess John Lithgow is the fourth lead in it, but uh, I would give it up. Kate McKinnon is so good. In this Kate movie McKinnon too. is really good as playing a lesbian who works at Fox news and is also like, there's a crucial moment where she can stick up for Margot Robbie and she doesn't, you know? Yeah. And you're like, like Oh man. Fox News. Yeah. It's, it's also like, uh, adds to that like comedy energy. Like it, it's like I said, it felt like a comedy and there's because of her did it. And also even John Lithgow, who is one of, again, a good performer who could do drama, comedy, anything you throw at him very well. He's playing motherfucking Jabba the Hutt in this movie. They even okay. say they call him, he was called Jabba the Hutt. Wait, but he I... plays it like super slimy, horrible old man uh there's some nice supporting turns from uh rob delaney on charlie's theron's team uh i think he's a very funny actor i'm glad he popped up in this movie uh mark duplass plays her husband yeah. he's... mark duplass nails the uh support 
roles so well. He He's really such a does. good, yeah. nice guy energy. I love watching Mark Duplass act. And he even get they get in like a fight, but it's like a nice guy fight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like he's like kind of right too which is you know I, I mean most of liberals were being agreeing with him yeah, right. uh, but then you have like i don't know it's not necessarily stunt casting but maybe it's uh stunt casting directly for me <laughs> like uh richard fucking kind i paused oh it. yeah kind rudy Giuliani in this movie i paused it it's like holy shit i'm gonna take this all yeah. in i took a deep breath and watched it um, I'm a huge Kevin Dorff fan. He was a writer. Wait, for, Richard uh, Kind, he's so great. You're talking about the makeup, dude. How you ca- Richard oh, Kind yeah. is like almost unrecognizable in this Rudy Giuliani makeup. He's oh, got yeah. this crazy bald head and he's got these weird kind of buck, t- buck teeth and he's like sitting and he's doing some great acting because he's sitting in like some kind of disgusting way. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is... He plays like how, what we talk about Rudy Giuliani, he plays like the character, character, he, did a pre-Giuliani Giuliani. Well, it wasn't, that's an interesting game to play watching the movie is like, because it is faithfully about Fox News from 2016, mm-hmm. a lot of these people ended up being like major, major figures in the Trump administration, like Rudy Giuliani, Kimberly Guilfoyle has like, or however you say her last oh, name, yeah. has like a big kind of part of the movie. Yeah. And she's like with Donald Trump Jr. right now, you know, like they're together. I was talking about Kevin Dorff for a sec. He plays Bill O'Reilly in this movie. Uh, which Bill O'Reilly is also very complicit and uh, a big thing, uh, part of the sexual misconduct going on there. Uh, Kevin Dorff is uh, was a Conan writer and performer. Uh, maybe his biggest credit is uh, Secret Agent Mike on Delocated. Huh. Uh, That's his biggest so I credit. Love, <laughs> I mean, I love Delocated. I think that show's one of the best shows. I, mean, I agree, uh, it's a good show, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Hell yeah, uh, it's good for fucking Kevin Dorff popping up. Uh, is so many good people. Uh, Robin Weinger pops up. Stephen Root, John Rothman, Darcy Carnden, Lennon Parnon. Uh, PJ Byrne plays Neil Cavuto. PJ Byrne was a rugrat from Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, Mark John, Ga- John Gabris has a role, has a warm yes, line. Guy, yeah, Mark Evan Jackson looks exactly like Chris Wallace in this movie. <laughs> and then you have uh, the Lord Malcolm McDowell nailing oh, Rupert Murdoch. Like, so I, good. Like. Every Rupert Murdoch should be played by Malcolm McDowell. I mean, he just made sense. It just made sense and it felt right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he, he has this, his whole persona of his many, many decades in Hollywood are kind of how you feel about Rupert Murdoch because he's like obviously evil, but occasionally he does do something that you might agree with, you know? And Malcolm sure. McDowell has that energy down so yeah. good. Yeah, that's a great call. Um, so like this movie is populated and easy to watch because they just hire so many good people and it's like again it has that fun comedy energy it's deflated and not used properly but it's still like a ultimately a kind of a a very interesting watch overall (laughs) and and, and, uh, i mentioned the cinematographer uh who did the big short as well uh but he's actually uh ken loach's longtime cinematographer in britain uh barry Aykroyd. uh love barry Aykroyd. he does all of uh paul greengrass's movies too and he uh had a big breakthrough when he did the Hurt Locker and he started getting more uh, Oscars type stuff. Uh, but yeah, Barry Aykroyd did this movie. Cool looking movie. I don't think there's any super signature shots. Maybe in, a, in the Roger Ailes, Margot Robbie scene, which is creepy for me oh to say, God. but that was that's such a That's well. such a hard scene to watch. I mean, so this is like yeah, the man. one time we see sexual harassment like actually happening. Uh, in the movie. It's, it's something, yeah. It's, seen, it's so uncomfortable Robbie. to watch. Yeah, it's definitely where you're... He makes Margot Robbie pull her skirt up and he keeps telling her to pull it higher and higher and then he's breathing so gross. I mean, I will say so, like, you know, um, that scene was very uncomfortable to watch and the, the movie does do a good job of talking about, you know, sexual assault and an atmosphere of, uh, like, sexual discrimination and like a kind of charged sexualized atmosphere that, you know, and it does a good job of talking about things that like, you know, seem on the border between sexual assault and not, and just kind of this weird, disgusting culture, you know? And I think it, it dramatizes them very well and shows how they're related, you know, how, because you have sort of this elevated, sexualized culture where like the women are all wearing these crazy push-up bras and it just kind of creates this heightened world where then someone like R- Roger Ailes feels like it's totally fine to do the things that yeah, he's, he's doing. He's he's in charge of this and it's his something of his creation. 
And yeah, I think that's the movie they were ultimately making was like the world of Fox News, which serves a purpose for the movie they're making, but ultimately doesn't make it that in-depth of a movie, which I think was what they wanted to make. It's not, it's not a piece of art. <laughs> it's definitely not a piece. This is what I was saying when I at the, at the very top, right? Like, I don't know what to call a movie like this, and, and I don't even know how I feel about these kind of movies, but there are a lot of them where, and a lot of times they're about complicated subjects. They're like political thrillers or something, um, where it's like, there's just a lot of story, and the story is interesting, but then when it's over, you just feel like, okay, well, that's over. Personally, me, I just felt like, okay, well, that's over. I don't ever need to see this again. But you like kind of enjoy it while you're watching it, you know, and I... I struggle with that. I, I don't know if I think those are good movies or not good movies. I, I really don't know. I mean, it's up to you. It's a, a personal thing. Like, I ultimately think it is a good movie because, again, I like watching the acting. I like watching a lot of the cinematic aesthetics of it. Like, I thought the costumes were really good. Uh, uh, it was uh, Colleen Atwood actually did that, who won, who's won like four or five Oscars, uh, including. Uh, She's so good at uh, at costumes, calling Atwood, that they just gave her an Oscar for uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, like a movie that did not deserve an Oscar. No, the costumes are so good. Like she's done uh, Tim Burton's movies and a lot of our modern musicals. But the costumes uh, are are so boring. I mean, you know. Wait, wait, what did you just say? Are you talking about the person who did the costumes for, for this movie? Yeah, I thought the costumes were interesting. They're just enough. boring. Yeah. I mean, they're just wearing the clothes people wear on Fox News. It's not like particularly like, you know, you could just watch Fox News and then buy those clothes. I mean, not obviously that's me as a lay person, but compared to something like, you know. Uh, I think they're, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but there is like some storytelling to their costumes too. I agree. I agree. And I know everything's difficult and I don't mean to talk down <laughs> anyone's job in film. I mean, obviously costumes are an important job and she does a really me- good job. It was from Memoirs of a Geisha. I mean, to me, that seems more, you know, I realize it's also hard to make people dress normal and everything is hard. I think they talk about like, uh, there's a a shift to pantsuits. That is part of this movie. That is, that is the storytelling, but they like discuss that. It's in the script. I bet that's written in the script. Everyone is now wearing pants. I bet it says in the writing. (laughs) It was funny too, because I I don't know if this is, because this came out before the loudest voice in the room, Gabe Sherman's book about Fox news came out. Um, but which they also made into a TV show where uh, what's his face um, plays Rupert Murdoch. Uh, oh my God, from Australia, you know, who am I talking? R- Russell Crowe. Russell Crow, oh yeah, right? yeah, I didn't see that show. But um, is this like also based on a Gabe Sherman book or some Gabe Sherman article? Maybe because um, they reference him by name twice, and then they also there's like a whole scene where they're like, "Did you see the, what Gabe Sherman wrote?" And then also Gabe Sherman gets to like be in a montage of like everyone. It's like, it's like Anderson Cooper, um, you know, Fox news host, and then Gabe Sherman, you know, and you're like, why is Gabe Sherman in this montage? And so I was like, is this, it must, it must be based on his article or something. Cause he was obviously covered Fox news very closely. He wrote the loudest voice in the room about Rupert Murdoch at New York magazine. Yeah. He was covering what was going on at Fox news really closely. And I guess he broke a lot of these stories like Gabe Sherman. Yeah. If anything, they uh, stole it from him and wrote the fictional Margot Robbie and Kate McKinnon storyline to make it their own. Yeah. Well, no, cause he is literally in the movie. He must've been involved in some way. I don't see his name anywhere in the credits. No, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Looking on IMDb, but overall it's like a, like you said, it's a, easy movie to go down and again maybe i'm not the intended audience but you know i like picking apart movies sometimes and acting is great acting is why i probably first got hit the movies i love picking up actors and maybe the casting of so many good comedic performers in this movie is ultimately detrimental i mean it's good in if you wanted to create a chaotic workplace uh but ultimately like it wasn't like super chaotic i mean it's portrayed negatively but also like everyone's just oh like we're part of the sinking ship oh look at us uh whereas like no it's a fucking horrible place show how fucking scary it is and they got a bunch of fun people to do it uh i don't know there's like a movie uh that hired a bunch of uh comedic actors uh soderbergh movie called the informant that i thought uh just really filled it out and like oh this is just a simple story and the comedic actors he hired oh well yeah make it seem more uh like have we... less stakes, which is fit the movie. But this is a movie that 
I felt needed a little bit more stakes, but you know, I didn't care. Richard Kind was Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> and I mean, again, that's another thing they do in the big short. It's like they do it. It's kind of popular now. The Margot Robbie short herself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was weird, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this movie. I liked it in a certain way. I mean, do you want to do it? Let's do the best choice right now. Okay, go ahead. So like Caleb, like let's say you had to pick one of these two movies to recommend to someone or you were, you know, I don't even want to go there. Let's just say you have to pick one. <laughs> let's just say you have to pick one. <laughs> uh, it's pretty close in general as, I don't know, I didn't head over heels on neither of these movies. But honestly, I my gut says it's bombshell uh, in, in the sense that uh, the story is a little more grabbing the headlines and that's interesting. And you do want to see how the three greatest actresses of our, three of the greatest actresses going today uh, handle that. And it is, and they do a good job. And I think that makes it more worthwhile. And I say, Carrie Mulligan is fucking fantastic in that movie. Uh, but ultimately, uh, uh, promising young woman is a little bit too stylized for my tastes. Uh, so I'm just going to go with the uh, big budget, throw money. Let's get all the best costume in. <laughs> Uh, cinematographer's movie out there in uh, Bombshell. Yeah, I mean, I was very, like I said a bunch, you know, I was really surprised at how uh, A Promising Young Woman played out. And uh, it was a good movie in a lot of ways. It's very, uh, I enjoyed the way that it was stylish. And frankly, I to be honest with you, I wish it was more stylish <laughs> than in what it was. Um, but, but it's like, it's indie leaning in a certain way. And it's more like, real in a certain way like there's they let scenes go on for a long time in that movie in a way that i i personally think is interesting um but ultimately i was so frustrated with a lot of it um i think i would say bombshell also i mean i i'm as surprised as you to be saying this uh, because bombshell is it's just like it's just like a gloss it's in a certain way it's like a glossy piece of studio filmmaking that goes in one eyeball and out the other and you don't but uh, but in another way it, it does have its own things to say about this world of like sexual assault and sexual violence and over sexualized workplaces. And, you know, but it does stop short of talking about like Fox news writ large, which is fair enough because it's just a story about these people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe I would say that too. God, I don't fucking know, but promising young woman was really good in its own way too. I, don't yeah, know. I didn't, I didn't they're... like, I thought they were both like B movies, you know, like yeah, they're both. Yeah. Movies that I'm never probably gonna see again. If you do want to watch a good Me Too movie, my actually best choice, actually best choice movie is The Assistant. Yeah, definitely. A while ago. Definitely watch The Assistant. Yeah, because there's a movie about like a toxic workplace that's done like so much better than Bombshell. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's complicity like, is more in uh, the subtext of it, and yeah, and it's more through uh, the way it's shot and designed. Just feels more of like a piece of film than you know big actors in a big movie that tried to get some Oscars and did get some Oscar work. I mean, this is the thing, right? I mean, as much as you're talking about the makeup and the makeup is fantastic and it's fantastic. I mean, you're right. And that he's an artist. Everything you said is correct. Obviously this movie was, I mean, it was supposed to win like best actress and best supporting actress and like best original screenplay and like best director. Like this movie thinks it's like going to be the most important movie of the year. But it just didn't connect with people, I think. I think this movie was kind of like got panned generally, didn't it? Uh, it did and it didn't. Like, I, I kind of like what we're talking about now. Uh, I think people liked the, like the acting aspects. But overall, like it did, the, the storyline kind of got panned. Yeah, uh, because everybody, it came out at this moment where everyone was like, so sick of these we have as zero sympathy for these republican people like they're the worst monsters and they were all winning at the time they were in charge of the whole country and they were doing so many awful things and it's like you want to make a movie where we're sympathetic with these people i mean for example on the day that i watched bombshell i went to megan kelly's twitter account you know this woman megan kelly who's like rejected everything to do with fox news and tried to become a mainstream person all she does is, is tweeting about like the freedom of speech of everyone on parlay who isn't allowed to be on parlay and tweeting about Ariel pink. And like, can you believe this guy got canceled just for going to a Donald Trump rally? She had been tweeting for like a week solid about all the poor victims of, uh, you know, like, uh, chilling free speech restrictions who are conservatives, you know, not about say like the people that were literally killed, you know, she's concerned about somebody's fucking Twitter account get taken away. 
um, and not with like someone being beaten to death. Like that didn't seem to bother her so much, you know? Yeah, she sucks, which is, you know, good for Charlie staying there and playing another monster. Yeah, hell yeah, brother. Uh, well, I don't know. That's the end of the show for this week, I think. Thank you for coming. Hopefully we've cut a bunch of this out so it's not as long as it was recording it, but I guess yeah. you'll find out. <laughs> you guys, bye. Hey. Uh, but I, th- I would say there's more show so in more show in TV shows. Uh, I know I like saying that. I like that. Just take it. Just take it again. Just take it again.